Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Two with the bases loaded and one out. Oh my God! Deep to right field, way up there and way out of here. Second deck walk off home run. Grand slam. Hello and welcome in everyone to episode one seventy. That is one seven zero of the bases loaded fantasy baseball podcast. I'm your host Mike Curlin. You can follow me on Twitter at Mike underscore Curlin. That was. The, as much enthusiasm as I can muster up. Today is what March 9th, and we had a deal on, had a deal off, had a deal on, off. And we'll talk a little bit about that, but we're going to be focusing on outfield preview because why not? Um, you, uh, tonight I'm joined by the, the usual. Zach is with me again this week, and George is back. You can follow them on Twitter. George is at Roto underscore Nino. Zach is at Braff Z. Gentlemen, hello. What's up, man? I'm, I mean, at least one of us is lively here. You know, I, I'm I'm going to just say, like, I'm I'm emotionally drained at this point. All this up and down with the, the negotiations, you know, you get your hopes up just to just to be let down. But um, it is what it is. You know, hopefully they can get that uh, settled soon. I mean, it seems like they're close, right? I mean, whatever, as far as we know, seems like uh, they're pretty close there. So hopefully the we get uh, games not too much. Not too much further than that uh, April 14th date that they came out with today that uh, they've canceled games through. So, Zach, I saw your face on that intro. You were pleasantly surprised and pleased by it, right? Yeah. I don't know <laughs> how you're so enthusiastic. Right it's all it's all Such a facade, a, man. Listen, you have kids. Day. You have kids. You get it. You got to put on a fake face, a fake smile once in a while, get through, push through. That's what this is. Yeah. I'm so excited to be here. As right before I press play, I was like, I don't want to do this. Play. <laughs> hey, everybody. Um, and that, I'm sure people listening understand that. But just to be honest, we this isn't easy for us to push sometimes because it is. It just keeps you down. It makes you wonder, is it worth it? It makes you start questioning everything. Like, why do I love baseball so much? Why do I produce content? But it's like, I'm not going to leave. I enjoy doing it. I really do. It's just hard to get. It's hard to press play, but usually once we start, it starts going well. And I'm already, I've already, I already haven't shut up yet. So there we go. Um, one thing I did notice about this though is that the whole like Manfred suggested something. The players said yes. The players went back to the MLB themselves, the owners, and said, "Hey, we we refuse your offer, but here's this." And they said, "Nope." And even though, you know, Manfred is the mouthpiece of the owners. So if Manfred suggested this and the players okayed it, the owners suggested it. 
But then the owner said no because it came in like an hour after six, which was the 15th deadline. So it's like they're looking for excuses. Yeah, they're looking for excuses to blame the players. And on top of that, what they did was wait until everything was so close with the money to harp so hardly on this one thing that has been kind of thrown out there multiple multiple times, apparently, with the whole um, international draft thing. That's been thrown out so many times, apparently, and the players every time said no, no, no. So the, right. the owners kind of just sat on that. And when everything else was close and within striking distance, they brought this up knowing the players weren't going to budge on it. So now it looks like it's on. Now they made the players look bad again. It was a very smart move. There's a reason why these owners are billionaires. They know what they're doing with these tactics. It's just frustrating because things are very close, but very far, it seems like. And it sounds like it's like they, they can figure this out in a day or two. I don't know how it's not figured out already. It's just aggravating that the owners are so good at making the players look bad but don't get me wrong the players aren't fully innocent in all this either it's just the owners knew how to play this at the very to the very end to where the sentiments are kind of shifting at least even on social media where it was maybe maybe it was towards the middle maybe more player you know people on the player side to where people are starting to blame the players more and calling the players greedy and it's aggravating but the owners just played it just right it seems like and that frustrates me because I was mad. I found myself mad at the players, and I was like, wait, let me take a step back and look. It's the owners just playing the game, and you can't yeah. fault them for that. <clears throat> it's not yeah, trust either sure. side at this. And it almost seems like uh, like the owner side, they're just like feeding all these reporters information. All those tweets last night were getting our hopes up super high, and then we just let down today. And it's just like you don't even know who to trust at this point, and it's frustrating, and it's, it's just hard to get excited about this. The sport and, and fantasy right now, we just we don't know when this is going to happen, if it's going to happen. It's just, I don't know. It's just all in limbo, and it, it sucks. It really sucks right now. Yeah, yeah. well, you know, well, I you do know, trust. Oh, sorry, go ahead, Zach. I was going to say, uh, the, the day is going to come. The day is going to come, uh, you know, right now, just everything sucks. But the day will come where there is an agreement, and we get a flood of news, and Twitter will be ablaze, and we'll we'll be excited for baseball again. <laughs> and until then, though, I get to sit here and just stare at legitimately three or four articles I have written and not sure on the status of when they'll get posted because I don't know because we don't know anything. I think right now it's too murky to post any article because anything, especially stuff I'm covering right now, it can change. And you know what? Um, we, we're gonna talk, let's talk about outfield, I guess. It's about that time. Let's, we're going to start with strategy and then kind of just discuss our targets. We're not going to go player by player because the outfield pools, like, you know, depends on how deep you want to go, depending on, you know, the level of league you want to touch on. So we're going to essentially talk about our overall strategy and outlook of the position. Then we'll talk about some of our early round, our favorite early round targets, some of the middle round guys we like, and then some late round dart throws. That way we touch on the position as a whole without over analyzing it because there's just so many names. And then there, there's ob- the obvious crossover of second base and slash outfielders etc etc so Mm -hmm. with that said george do you want to start off with your typical overall outlook on the position and strategy in a typical league yeah so um you know we've been doing a lot of um you know 15 team i've been doing a lot of like 15 team drafts this this uh draft season and stuff and uh, you'll find that i mean you know we've kind of mentioned it before in previous pods that um you know the outfield pull uh, as far as uh players you know, everyday players that, that you can count on for, for playing time kind of dries up, um, at least as far as players that we like, uh, dry, dries up. And um, yeah, at least like in five outfielder leagues, like 15 team, five outfielder leagues, I like to have my five uh, outfield spots filled by 
maybe about the 16th, 17th round. So we're talking about pick 250, 255. That's about the time where I, I want to have uh, my outfield filled. Now, if we're talking about like uh, three out shallower, you know, like a head-to-head three outfielder um, type of league. Uh, I mean, it's not as you, you still want some of the higher end guys, but it, it is much easier to fill. Um, it, it might be one of those where, yeah, I want to take like, you know, have one or two really like elite outfielders and then have a couple of my favorite, you know, uh, sleeper breakout targets and stuff. So it's easier. It's definitely easier um, when you're talking like shallower leagues. But yeah, um, you know, this year I don't I don't mind filling outfield a little earlier. Uh, just just because, you know, take I don't mind taking like two outfielders early just because like it, like I mentioned, um, I think it gets a bit shallow, the, the you know, once you get into that 250 range. I looked at the ADP on NFBC over the last month. I forgot. I need to sort my draft champions real quick. But um, in general, I'm pretty sure it's not going to change much. It's over the last month and I'm almost positive it's still the same nine players. In the top 50 are multi-positional eligible at outfield. So you have to think about that. In the top 50, nine of those players might not even be in your outfield. Names including Tatis with Merrifield, uh, Edmund, Marte. Varsho is definitely a catcher for you. Chris mm-hmm. Bryant, third base. You know, Mount yep. Castle, it can go either way, I get, because first base is kind of deep. Chris Taylor, super util, most likely your middle infielder compared to your outfielder if you can make him that way. Uh, Krill off first base. That's part of that first base depth. So those are the names that um, are multi-position eligible and there's nine of them. So outfield, like you mentioned, it goes from looking a little deeper to not as deep. If you start taking some of these nine names away in the top 50 alone and putting them elsewhere, these are the higher end outfielders. So I'm with you. I like to target at least, I like to try to get two in the first, you know, 10 or so rounds, I'd say um, mm-hmm. if I can and kind of I'll build, I'll build at that point. And then, uh, but in three outfielder leagues, I'll just take one. And if I take one, I won't really focus on the outfield for a while because I do like the depth of outfield in a shallower format. I But my big thing is, is early rounds in general. I don't really care about positional scarcity or lack thereof. Like, I don't I won't go out of my way to get like I'll take a third baseman a little earlier, maybe. But that's it. Like, but if I miss on the top three, I don't go pushing up the rest. Does that, you know what I mean? But in the first few rounds, I like to just take what the draft gives me. I've never been big on, oh, I don't want this guy because he's an outfielder. So even in a shallower format, yeah. that would only that would only become like a um like a tiebreaker type of thing. Do I want this guy who's like really elite at second base, knowing how deep outfield is in a shallower league? Sure, that might be why I take with Merrifield over insert outfield Teoscar or something. You know what I mean? Maybe that's the decision you make because outfield is so much deeper in terms of elite depth compared to elite depth at second base. So that would be a tiebreaker in a shallower format. But in a deeper league, I never I honestly don't look at positional positions that early i tend to just take the best players that i want to build around and then go from there and adapt my uh adapt my approach from the first after the first two to three rounds honestly see what fell to me see what see what i started with and then formulate my plan from there i don't go in i've never been a guy to really think of think beyond that like it's just maybe it's to my detriment but it's just a personal preference yeah that's oh sorry george no, I was just going to say that that's kind of the way to to do it. That's the way to approach your drafts is, you know, you, you see what you have built through, you know, three, four rounds. And you're from there, you're taking, you know, what you need. Um, you know, yeah, I like to build around, you know, um, stats. I, I don't really look at position as much like you mentioned. And um, as you go through the draft, you're kind of taking what you need. 
as far as and, and pos- position matters more as the draft goes on. Because obviously, you could be like me in TGFBI, which I talked about how much I hated my outfield because I I got those I got those two outfielders and then I waited too long on three through five, and, and it's because I filled other positions in between because I kind of just lost sight of the position. I was just most more so targeting the stats. My team ended up coming out as a mid tier projected team, which is fine in a fab league. If I'm projected in the middle, that's fine because so much is going to happen, good or bad. That um and the fat and the, and there's fab and waiver wire. I'm not too concerned. But um Zach Outfield, how do you treat it? I'm kind of with both of you guys and everything you said here. Um, three outfielders. I prefer probably just taking one stud early, first or second round, and I'm okay with waiting just because there's really some good value. But based on our talks last week, Mike, with uh with the five outfielders and how your team rounded out and how you did not like your outfielder outfielders um i kind of pounded outfielders in my recent draft and i actually really like how it turned out i kind of filled out those spots by pick 250 kind of what george is saying how it really does dry up um after 250 after 300 so there really are some good values in there i kind of like going outfield maybe first or second round and then waiting on maybe that that next tier like the aaron judge the o'neill buxton or rosarena just don't love that tier right there when you can wait a little bit longer closer to like pick 100 and you can get a guy like jd or brian reynolds or hope for a bounce back from like a bellinger or a yelich or jesse winker and if you miss out on steals early you got miles straw there as well although there is some risk with that but there really are some good some good values if you if you don't get the power that you're looking for early there's values late within that top one late later in the top 100 there closer to 100 some good power values um but there really is um some good some good players there um kind of in the middle between like 25 to 30 um for outfielder ranks that i really do like this year and i'm I'm targeting a lot of those guys so it does thin out very quickly like what George was saying. So especially in a deep league, if you if you need depth and five outfielders, um, it's definitely something that I would like to target early. And like you were saying, Mike, there, there really are a lot of multi-eligible guys uh, that can help out your team and help with that flexibility. So it's an intriguing position this year, and I've been attacking it earlier than other positions in the few drafts that I've done so far. Gotcha. And by the way, I, I know you listen back to these shows. So right around that six minute mark, your headset came off and I said some really nice things about you. Mm, I'll, <laughs> so I'm I'll be sure to listen in. back. There it is. But uh speaking I of the outfield, <laughs> nothing that bad. It was just um just kind of telling people how much I love you. Um, as I was saying, so we're gonna focus on the early rounds a little bit. You're going to be able to talk about those mid-round guys you like, Zach, because we're going to talk about a little bit about mid-rounds and talk about some deeper league stuff. So focusing at the top, we're not going to go player by player or anything, but just before we get into some of our targets, overall, Luis Robert, Mookie Betts, Mike Trout, I think we feel like we've talked about this group a little bit before, but right now, George, if I if I told you to rank them, how would you rank them? Between um, Robert, Betts, Trout. Betts and right Trout. Right now, over the last month in draft champions formats, it's been that's the order. Uh, Robert, Robert, I, I give up. I need to find out how he says his name. I always forget. So, Lubob, I think it is Robert. Lubob, Betts, 
<laughs> Luba Betts Trout. I will find the proper pronunciation. I, I literally always forget. I look it up often, and I just forget because I've gone back and forth so many times, the which Sox I apologize for. said it was Robert, and then other people came out and said it was Robert. I don't It's confusing. Uh, okay, anyway, Lou Bob bets Trout for like the eighth time. Rank them. Uh, I think I rank them just, just like that. Uh, uh, Robert, Betts, and, and Trout. I mean, I, I think um, it, it comes down to... Now, as, as as long as we're talking about, you know, your standard 5x5 five five, uh, Roto League, that's that's how I go. Um, obviously, things change if it's a different format, you know, if it's like OBP or points. Um, I, I think Mike Trout there, you know, take, takes a big, uh, big leap, but... Uh, if we're talking Roto, I mean, we know that, you know, we could talk about positional scarcity, but categorical category scarcity is, you know, um, might be the biggest factor here when you're looking at speed and, and trying to get those steals um, early on, because uh, we know that, you know, through the first four or five rounds, that's uh, that's where all the steals go. So, you know, yeah, I want to um, targeting. I, I you know, I, I don't mind taking Luis uh, Rob, Robert at the end of the first Um or in, in, if he falls into the second. Um, and then Betts, I mean, I, I'm just a little concerned with, you know, how much more he's going to run at this point of, of his career. Um, I, I could see the speed drying up a bit, um, you know. So I, I'm not sure if we can count on him for, you know, to approach like 20 steals again, but, you know, maybe 10. Um, and and Trout, you know, uh, we kind of know about uh, Trout's issues as far as injury and and uh, not too sure, you know, if, if he's going to be running anymore at this point. I'm not sure if you can count on more than maybe a handful from from Mike Trout. So, yeah, that that's how I, I would rank them. And what about you, Zach? How would you rank those same three? Uh, In Roto. Robert, Robert, Betts, Trout. We'll start with Roto, go to points. After Great. That. In Roto, I would do Robert, Betts, Trout. Points, though, like George said, you know, that kind of changes things. Um, we'll probably go the reverse. I would probably go Trout, Betts, Robert for points. Really, in points, the, the stolen bases don't matter nearly as much. The on-base percentage is a much has a much bigger effect on those ranks. So I would flip them for, for points rankings. Gotcha. I mean, it sounds like that's kind of where I'm at, too. I think um, I go back and forth on Betts and Trout. I think I'm going to put Trout ahead of Betts in both. I have just I just have this gut feeling about like, I don't know I don't I'm not ready and maybe it's my own detriment I don't have any trout or bets on any teams by the way but I want trout I need to have there is some serious FOMO in this top fifteen I'll talk about there's three oh, yeah. guys I I have throw I have FOMO on three guys trout being one of them and I will get some Mike Trout on my teams before I, the season, before draft season's over but I don't think he's done being Mike Trout and I, I feel like he's just suddenly people are just kind of like. I don't know, people are writing them off. I think what at worst we're getting a Coors Field type of uh Arenado production for Trout. People really are I, writing him off. Which I, I do understand the speed is a question coming off a calf injury, all that for Trout. I do understand that, but I'm I'm willing to I'm willing to take Trout in the second round. Like, oh my god, it's such a big I'm willing to take him. Um <laughs> uh, I think he I think you could as long as you're willing to kind of maybe maybe you don't want maybe you don't take closer earlier or maybe you kind of let starting pitching fall a little bit maybe you go with more of a max free Kevin Gaussman type of duo but if you start off with three hitters you can definitely build a solid core of offense with Trout as one of your three hitters so that's why it's like there are builds out there that you can definitely support Mike Trout's skill set which is crazy I ever had to say those words but I do think Trout's days of running are behind them so yes it's not he's not even projected for 10 stolen bases which is fine but that's the thing like you can build around that no you just have to know that when you're going into it like you have to know you're taking that you know what I mean 
I could see him getting closer to like 15 stolen bases. I think that would, I don't see him running that much, man. That calf injury, I don't see him risking it. We'll see. I mean, it really depends. Obviously, we don't we we haven't heard much of anything about his recovery at all. I think I think it was a uh, Derek Rhodes on CBS was talking about. It. I was listening to it. his injury stuff is like up there with some of the best in our fantasy circles, and he was mentioning how. The calf injury, as Trout was saying back in September, that it was basically 100%. So there's no reason to think unless he aggravated it without any knowledge. He's pretty much, he was set to be 100% in like entering October-ish, I think. So there's no reason to think he won't be um, 100% entering spring or summer training whenever we get baseball training going on. Um, beyond those, you, he's, he's, he's really been a, a FOMO of mine too. Really been trying they, to target him in the second round as much as I can. I've missed out every every time, but um, I've, I had I've not, definitely I had have the FOMO. opportunity. I had the chance. And I took Machado because I just can't pass and you on. Fell asleep. Yeah, right. I <laughs> I wanted. I just wanted. Machado, I just like Machado so much as a third baseman with a little bit of speed that I passed on Machado for. I passed on Trevor Machado, but. Not that I can go back and look at that and think I regret that, but I do, I do wish I just took Trout just because I think I could have built a team just fine around them. I don't know. I'm not anti-Trout like a lot of the industry is. I know high-stakes leagues. The shallower the format, the more you should push them up because of the ceiling. So there, there is that. I do think ADP and ranks and everything are skewed towards um, deeper formats, but I do think uh, that's you have to know that and you have to be able to take advantage. Anyway, so, I, I didn't want to focus so heavily on the top Names. Is there anybody? Okay, look at the top fifteen. I don't, Zach, I don't know. I'll. Sh- I, I can't even share. This. I can share my screen with you. I guess. Um, let's see this screen here. I'll share that way. You can look at the same ADP I'm looking at. Do you see it? Oh, here I'm gonna get bigger. Do you see the ADP I'm looking at? Yes. Okay. So inside the top fifteen, this is over the last month. Top fifteen. Who is a guy? Give me one guy that you love to target. One guy you love to fade. George, start with you. All right. So top fifteen. Sorry, I had a uh, had an ambulance. Uh, passing by so nice <laughs> not, 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 not ideal when we're talking about trout and then ambulance go like oh no is that foresight is that like is that like what's it called uh what's that what's that thing called uh foresight i guess but it's uh oh there's a there's a word for it anyways i'm sure someone's thinking it anyway go ahead it's a bad omen yeah, um that's, that's for sure. <laughs> top 15 guys a guy i would fade a guy and a guy i would target um honestly i'm not with you on trout um, I'm fading <laughs> Trout where, where he's going, you. at least, Bastard. like I said, like in, in, uh, in Roto Leagues, um, category leagues. Yeah, I, I, I don't, I'm not willing to take him where he's going there at, at pick 16. Um, a guy I like who I think, you know, can give us what we want from Trout, um, going at 33 to Oscar Hernandez. Um, I, I don't see a whole lot different here. I mean, obviously we know Mike Trout is on another level kind of player, but, as far as like Roto, you know, uh, stats for for fantasy, I mean, you look at what Teoscar Hernandez did last year. He cut his strikeout rate down to twenty four point nine percent. Hit two ninety six, three forty six, five twenty four, uh, thirty two home runs, twelve steals, ninety two runs scored, one hundred and sixteen RBI. He's going to be hitting cleanup for you know maybe the best one of the best lineups in baseball. Um, so I mean, yeah, going at at pick thirty three, I I like I really like targeting uh, Teoscar Hernandez at the end of the second um, or anywhere in the third. He's he's fallen to the back of the third for me at at, at times, and um, yeah, I'm scooping up uh, Teoscar there. You know, e- even with that elevated BABIP three fifty two, I mean, I, I'm not sure he's going to be able to repeat two ninety six, but if he gives you two sixty, two seventy with uh, thirty five homers and 
you know, uh, double digit steals. I mean, you'll you'll take that. I, I will take that over over Mike Trout. You know, if, if Trout's not going to be running anymore, which I really wouldn't project much more than than a handful of steals for for Trout. Um, not saying that he can't do it, but I, I mean, I'm just going off of what we've seen the last few years. Um, but you look at Teoscar. I mean, you know, 13.9 percent barrel rate. O- always had um, really good, you know, batted ball quality. Um, nearly 50 percent hard hit rate. The uh, the expected stats pretty much back up what what he did. 282 expected batting average, 533 expected slug. So yeah, where he's going, I really like uh, Teoscar. I and he he dealt with COVID, I believe, in the beginning of last year too, among other things. I think there was like a COVID, like something with a, something was. I remember looking him up for that reason, which he still put up and produced the numbers he did even while dealing with that. Or was that the year? Was that 2020? It's all meshing together right now. <laughs> I swear it was last year though. Um, if I'm wrong, somebody will tell me. Um, so there's one target, one fade. For you, Zach, do you have your answer? I do. So I'll start with the fade first. I am very out on Starling Marte this year. Probably won't have him any shares. Um, right now he's going ADP 25. I mean, I know he's a Met. You know, I'm your resident Met fan. Um, he isn't enough right there to fade him. Yeah. He's a Met. <laughs> that That is number one right there. Um, the Mets just, they, they cannot keep guys healthy. That's number one. Marte has not played a full season in quite some time. I mean, he hasn't played 150 games since 2015. He missed a ton of time, missed over 40 games last year. He missed time in 2019. Um, he's not the most durable player. So that, he does not have that going, especially in New York. Guys always get hurt in New York. Also, year one, I mean, we saw Lindor last year struggle in year one. I could definitely see Marte struggling. I mean, he played in Miami last year, played in Oakland. I mean, those are not big market teams. I could see, we've seen guys come into me and struggle right away. Uh, That's reason number two. Reason number three, the Mets do not run a ton. They really haven't been known to. I know that's Marte's game, but I don't think he's going to steal 40 bags. I could see him maybe getting to 30 bags. But I don't think he's going to be a, a 40, uh, 50 steal guy like some people think. And they're drafting him like that in the second round. So I am out on Starling Marte this year at that price. Um, a name that I really do like is Jordan this year. I don't uh, I don't think anybody could really hate on Jordan Alvarez this year. Um, I really love the idea of uh, grabbing him in the second round. Um and maybe passing on a guy like Vlad in the first, if you can grab some power speed type guy in the first, whether it be like a Bichette or even grabbing a Harper or a Robert and coming back around in the second and grabbing Jordan, I love that build. I mean, Jordan projected for almost 40 and 100 this year. I could see him putting up a huge MVP type season. And I love Jordan going at around like pick 30. Uh, so Jordan is the guy I'm in on. And Marte, I am very, very out on this year. Yeah, see, I, I don't really, ha- I haven't really found myself fading anybody ne- necessarily. So I, I think the one I fade the most because it's the one I tend to not target. So by default, I'm fading him is also Marte. And I think it's just the health. I don't, I don't dislike the skill set. It's the fact you mentioned his health and. The thing, the thing is, though, is maybe we need to, as a fantasy community, we need to take a look and stop thinking of like 150 games as the as the new norm. I think we should almost like drop it down to like 140, 145. If a if a player gives you 140 games in today's game with all the knickknack injuries, COVID, at least COVID, I don't know how much COVID is going to be factoring into it this year, but you know what I mean. There's just so many things. It's like 
I'm almost happy with 140 to 145 games these days. 150, 155 was like the standard to look for. I almost feel like maybe we should lower expectations. But regardless, he's only played 140 games once since 2016, twice in his career, Stalin Marte. And although even with, here's the thing about Marte, though, is even with the lack of games, he's always produced. He only did hit 12 home runs last year. And those ballparks in Miami and in Oakland make sense. New York's not exactly a great hitters ballpark. And you mentioned the stresses of signing to New York on, on you know, the first year could be an issue. We've seen people there struggle. Marte just, it's a health thing. And I just, I feel like there's players with skill sets that maybe not the same speed profile, but close enough profiles that I don't, that I trust to stay healthy more. So I think that's why I find myself steering away from Marte at his current ADP. Again, 25.3 over the last month. Um, but and in terms of targeting, I'm just a huge Bryce Harper guy, but that's a gimme. I'm trying to think if there's anybody else. I'm not I'm not anti Cedric Mullins. I realize I really like Cedric Mullins, and now that he's falling to the third round, I find myself more interested. I don't see much concern or, or much reason for concern in terms of repeatability. He's going into the same situation, arguably a better uh lineup, assuming everyone's healthy. That they they've been uh, the Orioles were linked to Correa, so if they're willing to spend a little bit, maybe they actually improve the lineup even more. There and the RBIs are going to be there, but I don't see how Mullins doesn't go at least twenty twenty again. And the field and it was left field that was pushed back over there in Orioles Park. He pulled all his home runs, and all and all that could do is possibly lead to more doubles and triples for him because he doesn't go opposite field much in terms of like for the power. So Mullins is a guy I'm not too concerned. Even if you bake in regression, what ninety runs twenty twenty maybe 60 RBI. So that's where you have to make up for it, but hit like 270. I, I really think that the skill set feels safe. He has the tools to suggest that he could repeat a lot of what he did. And I don't know. I know people, there's a lot of people that are out on him, but I, he's not the, the thing is those here. I, I think it's harder for me to find who I'm out on. Then it's easier to find out who I'm out on. Then it's one of those things I'm willing to take just about anybody here in the top 15 at the right place, depending on how yeah. I build my team. Well, we're is talking there, about, uh, I was just going to say, we're talking about like the first two, three rounds here. And yeah. so, you know, they're, they're going here for a reason. Like, um, yeah, I'm pretty much taking anybody aside from like, like I mentioned, like if there's anyone that I am out on as far as like in, in um, Roto, I'm, I'm out on Mike Trout. But I mean, aside from that, there's no one else I can really say that, that I'm out on. I'm, I'm with you on Harper. I also really love Kyle Tucker. I mean, I, I think Tucker is going to be like just a safe perennial first round pick. Uh, just his profile, you know, cutting down the strikeout rate, his batted ball quality. I mean, you look at a guy that, you know, 15.9% strikeout rate to go with a 11.6% uh, barrel rate. Not a whole lot of hitters could do that. You're talking about like uh, Juan Soto and Vlad type of hitters, right? The low strikeout rate, high barrel rate. So uh, love Kyle Tucker. And I'm with you on Mullins, man. I, I really don't understand the projections on Mullins as far as his batting average, uh, having him down like at 260. I mean... He had a 322 BABIP. His strikeout rate was only 18%. A 322 BABIP is not egregious for someone with an 86 percentile sprint speed. Uh, you know, with his kind of speed, I I, I really don't don't understand um, the projections. I really do think that he can hit, you know, 270 at least and, and go 2020 again. Uh, you mentioned the ballpark not really going to affect him. Um, so, yeah, I mean, uh, I, I'm with you on Cedric Mullins. I really like him as a third-round pick. And it's just one of those things that because I hear a lot of smart people out on them and that's fine. I get it. It's hard to pay. It's hard to ever. It's hard to come around and pay the premium on a player who was free the year before. That's never an easy thing to do. 
it's just a matter of do you buy the breakout and in this case i do um and there was obviously the whole stop hitting from the other side of the plate blah 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 do you have any fomo in top 15 because i know again i mentioned fomo and the reason why i want to bring it up is because i do typically avoid i'm very risk adverse but I am going to play some 12s when, when I start drafting again, and I'll take more chances. And there's three guys. I mentioned Trout being one, but at the bottom end of that top 15, Aaron Judge and Byron Buxton. Buxton, he has the upside to be a first-round pick. Like That's the type of upside you're getting in the 50s. He's a guy that you have to understand that he just has his inability to stay on the field. It's notable, and it's worth paying attention to. So Buxton's a guy that, in terms of just raw skill set, I want a share of two in a shallower format where, where you know, you fill the fill in the fill in, you can replace them and still get a good amount of stats. So you pair Buxton with a fill in the blank, you know, back end draft guy, and you still get a good produ- producing outfielder. But if Buck, a healthy Buxton can be a first rounder. But the other one is Aaron Judge. And last year, I don't think I, even I didn't realize until like I, I even I even tweet I tweeted this out December seventh, by the way, and I forgot that he was this healthy last year. Aaron Judge played 148 games. Again, goes back to my argument of why don't we look at 145-ish to be the new standard in today's game with how, how many players just take days off and one aisle yeah. stint and one aisle stint and five days off. Next, you know, he's at 150 already. You know what I mean? Like, that's normal. Like, so 148 and games. COVID now, missing a few days. Well, that's what I was saying. I mentioned, I just don't know how much COVID is going to be a thing this year. But, yes, maybe that has factored into the – that's definitely factored into why games have been weird the last couple seasons, not to mention the shortened season. But uh, Aaron Judge played 148 games. That was the most since 2017. He had the second most home runs of his, of his career at 39. He had a career-best uh, 25% strikeout rate and a career-best career best batting average of 287. Overall, you saw Aaron Judge put up 39 home runs, six home bases, hit 287 with with uh, over 900 OPS. Like, people, do we forget like how good Aaron Judge could be? And it came with, again the lack of the the cutting down the strikeouts means he put the ball and play more, and that's all he has to do with his size. The ball is going to fly. He was Aaron Judge was top 10 among qualified hitters in xwoba, woba, and WRC plus. He was eighth in WRC plus at 148. Sixth in Woba at 387 and fourth in X Woba at 416. AKA Judge was damn good last year and, and earned it. <laughs> like, and I don't have any. And I feel like he's as good as Jordan Alvarez, and you're getting him ten, about a round later. And I think we're all hoping. I think what he did last year, that's like if anybody could take that step forward to be a second round pick again, it would be Judge. He's not go, again going around pick 40. It's it's not like he's far away from that, but he's a guy that looking at what he did last year, it's very repeatable and it's comparable to what you're hoping to get out of Jordan this year. So I don't know. I think I think I want to get myself a couple of judge uh, shares on a, again shallower formats where I can bake in the potential for injury because he is a little you know he is known to get injured and get nicked up. So that's it. That's my rant, my long rant about Aaron Judge and why. He needs to be yeah. uh, I, on my team. I hear you on uh, Judge and Buxton. We know like where the, the upside is there. I think I'm with you a little bit more on Buxton just because I think that speed can be a real difference maker where he's going. Um, with Judge, yeah. I mean, you know, he did steal six bases, but, I mean, six can easily be three or four. Mm-hmm. I, I, wouldn't, I wouldn't project someone like Judge to take a step forward in speed and all of a sudden steal, you know, 10, 12, 15 bases. Um, so... You know, if you're if you take someone 30 picks later, like Nick Castellanos, um, it, it's not it's not going to kill you. So I, I understand like the FOMO with um, Aaron Judge, but not taking him, I don't think is going to is going to hurt you too much. Um, but with Buxton, yeah, that speed can be a real difference maker. My FOMO guy going much earlier. I mean, 
uh, you know, the the shorter this season gets, um, <laughs> I'm like, man, Ronald Acuna is right there. I'm I like, have none. I know. I'm with you. Yeah, like going <laughs> to the back end of the first or into the second in some in some earlier drafts. I'm like, man, all those people that got Ronald Acuna really late, that late, and um, you know, the shorter the season gets, the out the better the outlook is for for Ronald Acuna. So that's gonna be like my my FOMO guy. And if we get this season going soon and, and get back to drafting, um, we'll see. I might have to take a share or two of, of Ronald Acuna. The only concern still for me is, you know, with the ACL injury, uh, number one, how much is he gonna run? Number two, a lot of times um, across different sports, we've seen guys coming off of ACL might be a little susceptible to like the soft tissue injuries. Uh, so like the hamstring um, type of injuries. So that maybe he still has a little bit more of a like a re-injury risk. Um, but I mean, man, getting Ronald Cunha at the back of the first or even into the second. Um, it, that's yeah, that that's my FOMO guy right there. Zach? I mentioned it before. The Trout was my FOMO pick. Um, in terms of Judge, um, I don't have FOMO for him. I probably won't end up with sh- any shares of him. Um, I mean, you got to love the the potential with him and the um, the upside with the power there. But his profile, just his his six seven frame, it just it just has injury risk all over. I know he played the most games of his career last year, but just him and Stan, it just it leaves a huge second most second second most. most. Don't, don't it leaves such a bad from. taste in my mouth, and it's just it's just very hard to trust them, especially that high um, where he's going. I'd rather wait, like George mentioned. 30 picks later for like a guy like Castellanos or a JD Martinez, somebody that I have more confidence in playing, maybe sacrifice a little bit of the, a little bit of the power. Um, but I just trust those guys. That's why I probably won't be reaching for a judge in that territory. I find myself going for a lot of wit in that territory, which maybe want to propose the question to you guys. We were talking Marte. Uh, you mentioned Mullins before and I'm throwing wit out there. How would you guys rank Marte wit and Mullins? kind of similar profiles with the speed profiles. How would you guys rank those three? I have it. I think I, I literally, I do toss it up between wit and Mullins. I usually go wit um, because of the multi-position eligibility. That usually is like that difference making factor for me, but wit scares me in terms of age and soft contact and the need to compile. So I do believe, I think I, I usually, if I can, if I, if I don't look at second base and think, you know what, I, I'll take Mullins probably more time. Okay, let me stop. So I'll I'll rank it Mullins, Merrifield, and Marte. I I'm that low on Marte where I'm putting him. That's why I don't get him because I still value. Like I would draft Marte in this range, but he's not going in this range. So you're yeah. flopping ADP. You're going reverse. Yeah, how <laughs> I'm going. going Mullins. I'm going Mullins, Wit, and Marte. Yeah, Wit stays place, but Marte. It's almost like I would switch Marte Mullins spot. Yeah. What about you, George? Yeah, I think I'm with uh, I think I'm with Mike there um, with those rankings. Um, I think, you know, I've seen Marte and um, Merrifield going like anywhere from the middle of the second to the back end of the second or early third, and I don't know. I haven't really been able to pull the trigger when I can get you know Cedric Mullins um, as the last of those three. I, I think it's a um, little more balanced. Like I I know. You know, Merrifield, yes, and 97 runs, 74 RBI um, out of the leadoff spot. But, yeah, give me uh, give me the 10 extra homers with uh, with Mullins, and, uh, yeah, I'll, I'll take that. I, I don't know. And, and then also the fact that you're looking at Merrifield and Marte, uh, they're, they're both, what, 33, right? I mean, 
can we really expect them to both steal 40 plus bases again? I think if you're drafting them, you're not you you can't really expect 40 steals again. You're looking at maybe like more like 30, um, 25 to 30. So if it if and if I'm projecting Mullins to give me you know 20 to 25, I'm not sure there's a whole lot of difference there. And yeah, I'll, I'll take the more balanced um profile. Yeah, I agree with you guys on the order. I really like Merrifield this year. I mean, he you know he is going to play. Um, he he does not. Um, with that 145 game rule that you're talking about, Mike, he he does not apply because he plays yeah. every he plays every single game. So you know what, the power may not be there, but the runs will be there, and the stolen bases. That team runs a ton, whereas Marte, he's probably not going to get the opportunities. So I really like Merrifield in that spot. Really, it kind of depends on how you uh, address your first round pick, but if you're looking for for some speed and runs in that second, third round territory. Merrifield is a great, great buy. Right there. Merrifield has 700 at-bats every every normal season going back to 2018. His last season that he didn't reach 700 bats was when he played, there's the number, 145 in 2017. <laughs> but uh, that's I'm telling you, that's... Like, 34 if, if bags. You, if you start... I'm telling you, if you start planning... Your like your process, like if you start planning your numbers around the 145 number, I feel like you're always gonna be safe because I feel like if you can project a player to play 145 and they give you 155 or 150 or 160, it's like it's only it's bonus. So if you can just so it's just one of those things like prep for the floor, take the ceiling. But 145, just again in today's game, you mentioned Wits obviously the exception to the rule, but you are on Alvarez. You know he he's literally gonna get like five to seven days off just occasional like every other week he'll get a day off probably but then you factor in one il stint he's already there so that's why my argument is in today's game il stints happen knickknack injuries and a couple of days off before you know it 140s are, is like the new is like the new 150s that's why i think we overemphasize injury prone issues when players in general are just taking more time off than ever playing it safer than ever trying to get that new contract or just you know, not risking it. They'll take two, three days off with a sore hamstring and then play, or aggravate it, and then they're not for another couple of days. So, like that happens so much that we overemphasize. Well, we need to get guys that play one fifty to one fifty to one sixty, and those players just are farther and fewer in between. Not that they, they don't exist. It's just I just feel like we put too much emphasis on injury concerns sometimes when really almost every player is just taking time off this year and it usually gets at least one aisle stint. it's very common so i don't know it's one of those things that it's i i'm saying this kind of out of a feel for it i'd have to actually go look at the numbers but if i i, I feel pretty like it feels maybe i'm just wrong i don't know like, I, I just i feel like every time i look at a player a team it's our player it's like this guy's going through now stand this guy like I'm, i just pulled up the games played leaders only seven players played 160 games last year only let's go 155 only twenty eight, only twenty nine players started one hundred fifty five. You see, so I'm, I'm not crazy. Like you get to like now, when you start creeping to the one fifties. Okay, it's like fifty players played. So yeah, see, okay, a hundred. Okay, so yeah, you start getting to that top one hundred. Less than less than a hundred players. Less than a hundred players total in the whole major league baseball played one hundred forty games last year. Less than a hundred. Ninety eight players played one hundred forty games or more. And we we overemphasize all these players. Not like you know. Oh, we have to be care. Josh Donaldson played played 135 games. That was 110th most games played last year. This is among qualified players. Obviously, qualified players are gonna 
be the only ones that even play this many games. So you get my point. My point is, is we overemphasize these, these injury issues when Josh Donaldson played the 110th most games last year. It's pretty wild that Donaldson, Stanton, and Judge are probably all in that top 100. Though. Stanton played the 99th most games last year among qualified hitters, which, again, all these guys are going to qualify because these are guys that played enough to qualify. So my point is, is this is something that we overemphasize in our analysis when really give me 140 games. That's a, that's a top 100 game player right there. Sorry, but like, like, like maybe this isn't the norm every year. And again, COVID probably factored into this. But I like if we go back, I'm going to go back I, again. Now I'm on a tangent because now I'm curious. I'm going to go back to 2019 real quick. 2019 was a normal season, right? Nothing crazy yes. happened there. Let's go yeah. look at the game total. Um, oh, look, it's trending the same way, actually. One second, one more click. So, oh, so, so the 140 goes to there was, oh, look at that. The 90, it looks like 100 players, less than 100 players again. Maybe, okay, so I, I lied. It might be right around 100 players because there are a lot of ties. That's my fault. I didn't think about the fact that players are tying in all this. So there's over 100 players. My argument is a little debunked. Maybe closer to 120 players then. Because I'm looking at like multiple 141s, 142s, 143s. Damn it, now I need to get a real number. It's going to bother me. I need to get a real number. Because, <laughs> you know, I'm looking next to, like, on Fangrass, I'm literally looking at the games played, and I'm looking at the rank of the player. Who led the league in games played in 2019? Um, I have to restart. Hold on. I have to restart the whole search. Games played. It's, hold on, it's working. 162. One, two, Damn. three, four, five people played 162 games. Castro, Merrifield, Soler, v- VR of all people, and Simeon. And then um, still only 12 players played 160 plus. But yeah, wait. It's a good, wait, num- it's a good number of players, though. But yeah, I'm looking at this. I'm trying to figure out how to look. Because... 155, 30. Yeah, it gives you it gives you the number. Okay, I'm not crazy then. No, you are. No, because 140 games, but then number number 91 player, right? Like I'm not crazy. It shows you the number of the player, and then the games played to the right of them, right? Yes. So yeah, I'm not crazy the way I was doing it. There was just a lot of guys that played in a lot of games, a lot more games in 2019. No, but no, but I'm talking about like if you go look at number 100, Eddie Rosario played in just 137 games. So my argument still holds true that 140 games is not it's not as common as we think. Yeah. So yes, okay, my whole argument was true. All this to say I was right that uh, that we over that we might just so yes. Took you long okay. enough. Took me long enough to get there. I'm gonna, I'm gonna go look at 2018. In the process, though, no, please don't. <laughs> in the process, um, let's move down to the next 15 or so names. This is where we get kind of interesting. Tyler O'Neill, Randy Rosarena. Listen, I'm sorry, but that ended up being worth the look because I ended up being right in my theory so far. And uh, yeah, that's all. That's all I wanted to say. But uh, so yeah, we start getting these interesting names: O'Neill, Rosarena, George Springer, uh, Castellanos, Eloy. We all hate. I, I know I hate Tommy Edmund. We've talked about this on this podcast before. Varsho, for all intents and purposes, is a catcher. I don't really this this area. I don't like to dabble in too much. I tend to maybe grab a couple here. We all love Brian Reynolds. We can agree there, right? Hell yeah, yeah, for sure. <laughs> Would you take yeah. Brian Reynolds or Nick Castellanos in a vacuum? Obviously, you can get them way like twenty plus picks apart. Uh, I would still take Castellanos. I mean, <laughs> but, I, I but, love I love Brian Reynolds. Um, but yeah, I mean, I, I would still, I mean, I, the power ceiling for Cassianos is still, you know, considerably higher, I think for me. Um, I love, yeah, love Brian Reynolds. And then also you got to think at Cassianos, he's going to sign in probably a favorable situation. Um, 
So, I mean, until, I mean, unless Brian Reynolds gets traded, which is very much possible, um, we've heard him in some trade rumors, but just within the context of, of where they're playing or where he's playing right now and um, where Castellanos could end up, I'm still going to take Castellanos. In a vacuum, I would go Castellanos as well, but depending on team context and, I mean, if you can grab somebody in that range of Castellanos and grab Reynolds on the way back, I'm completely fine with that. Um Back to what you just said for a second there, George. Do you guys know um, the Reynolds trade rumors are out there? Do you know, can teams be discussing with other teams about trades? Like, can we possibly have like a ton of trades on the table? They're just waiting for the approval and then all these trades go through. Is that a thing? I I was under the assumption that it could not happen. Why? The owners can't talk to the owners. The players talk to the players. I I mean, it's one of those things that the GMs aren't supposed to be talking to the owners, I I would guess, right? GMs can be talking to other GMs. I don't know how that works. I know the I know the front office. Like you, you hear the players not talk. Like they can't have their training staff. So I doubt they can have their GMs. By the way, 104 players played 104 game, 140 in 2018. So my point is that 140 mark We're still barely, going down this rabbit hole, huh? Yes, <laughs> um, 2017 time. Anyway, uh, but Brian Reynolds is like our like one of our go to guys here. Uh, but there's a lot of like upside. No commodities, a little bit of injury risk mixed in here. Who are some of your favorites, George, that you'll target? From this range, uh, aside from Reynolds, which, I mean, I think after Castellanos, he might be my favorite. We're talking about, like, yeah. I mean, I don't know if there's like a 26-pick difference. Like, I might, I'd rather have him over Cattell Marte just for the safety, um, over Tommy Edmond, that's for sure. Um, <laughs> Tommy Edmond will be on none of our teams. So can we yeah. all get this out of the way that me, at least you and I are fading him pretty heavily Zach, are you feeling yeah, Tommy Edmund too? Yeah, I likely won't have any Edmund shares at that price. 108 yeah, but, uh, people, 108 people <laughs> played 140 or more in 2017. So it slowly has gone down. But again, COVID and all that. But still, barely. <laughs> t- we're talking about barely 100 players here, guys. All right. Anyway, uh, <laughs> just we're talking about Reynolds, Edmonds, and then we're going back to 2018. 2017. Was it, wasn't this all about uh, Aaron Judge, right? We just draft Aaron Judge already. Well, no, this is about. Don't. The, well, well, don't worry, because one of my guys here I really like, and I finally got a share. I'm not quitting Cattell Marte, and I know he can't stay healthy. But give yeah. me 140, Cattell. <laughs> give me 140. Yeah. <laughs> so, yeah, Cattell Marte is a guy that I think he pairs very well with Brian Reynolds. You get your injury risk with, with upside, and you get your floor. Unfortunately, Cattell Marte doesn't bring a strong enough plus skill anywhere. Like, Reynolds belongs on a team where if you take an upside, like if you take Tyler O'Neill, Reynolds is a great pairing partner for that. You don't want to, you yeah. don't need to necessarily pair Reynolds with Marte because the skill sets aren't different enough. So, Marte, like, like the, it doesn't make sense to me to pair Marte's injury risk with a guy with such a high floor when the production ultimately ends up being the same if Marte's healthy. Um, right. So, know. these guys like Reynolds and Marte, like their profiles, they're the kind of guys that I would take because you probably won't need to and you probably won't be able to, uh, depending on where you're picking, get both. But like if I took a, someone like Javi Baez or um, Jazz Chisholm, I'm immediately looking at Cattell Marte and Brian mm-hmm. Reynolds, uh, more so Reynolds. But the other guy in this range that I have a lot of and I'm not finding myself with too many of, of these guys just because like comparatively, like I really like the pitching that's going in this this range. So like I'm getting a lot of Trevor Rogers, uh, Frankie Montas. I like um, guys like that. So, but the other guy I have a lot of is uh, a Rosarena going at, at sixty, and I, I look at a Rosarena as the pretty much one of the last like twenty twenty guys that you could build off of. Um, so, like especially if 
I went pitching early. Like if I got a pitcher in the first or second round and I took a closer in the, like the second or third, um, maybe I doubled up on starting pitching um, in the first four picks and, and I have like one um, hitter. I, I, Rosa Rangia for me is like the last guy going at pick 60 here. Um, the last like 2020 guy that you could build from if you don't want to have to target like the speed only guys later on, like a Tommy Edmond. Like, I don't want to have to t- go get a Tommy Edmond or a Miles Straw um, or Nicky Lopez, guys like that. So, yeah, I, I look at a Rosarena going at pick 60 as the la- one of the, one of the last, like, you know, per- relatively safe 2020 um, kind of guys that, that you could build from. Rosarena is weird to me. Like, I have a hard time because of the strikeout rate. And in the second half, looking at Rosarena's splits, he had like a really strong second half, you know, upped his batting average over 50 points, up to slugging 147 points. Um, WSC plus from 107 to 158. So the dude had a killer second half. ISO almost 100 points higher, but the strikeout rate was 30%. Like, I don't understand. The mixture of the two don't make sense to me. I understand in today's game, strikeout rate isn't everything, but I feel like that leads to potential for volatility. And Rosarina, but I do agree. Like he is pretty much Cedric Mullins. <laughs> I just feel like the difference between him and Mullins, obviously, is a Mullins is a safer bet for playing time because the Rays, the Rays are going to ray, you know. And mm-hmm. if you know, uh, last year he hit 257 and had over 100 WRC plus against righties, or Rosarina did. But if he struggles out the gate against righties and slows down, they'll platoon him until he gets going. And the stolen base success rate wasn't the best. He got caught ten times out of his uh, twenty out of his thirty attempts. At least that's yeah. I went twenty for for thirty. But the fact that he attempted thirty steals, like I'm I'm not sure. I mean, maybe it might depend on on um, again. How I'm, he starts. I'm, I'm, I'm the goal here is to poke holes into like because we're at this range where everybody here yeah. has their warts, and his could be a mix of like strikeout issues paired with maybe not running as much because he didn't he wasn't as successful on the base pass and we saw them shut wander down really quick on the base pass last year and he actually was two for two initially so it's really weird just just don't know what like do they not want to run into outs because they have you know the better hitters in the middle of the order and if they actually do land freeman which i doubt they do but they're talking you know they've been talking about it i just think it's a uh just an interesting conversation to have yeah that's all that's all my goal was here to make you doubt it a little bit um (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> Zach, how about you? Is there anybody here that you really have to have on your team? Or, well, obviously, again, outside of Reynolds, I do like Jesse Winker a lot, but I understand the splits against lefties. I just wanted to put that out there. I, I get it. I understand. But leadoff crushes righties. Great day, plate discipline, adding average, power. I love Jesse Winker, but I do understand he can't hit a lefty. I do. I get it. I get it. Do you like Winker? Um, hopefully, he can eventually figure out those issues against lefties just be um, mediocre i just i just need mediocre production against lefties but he plays for the reds who are not going to sit him at all so there's that no castellanos anymore weaker lineup um and he has to stay healthy he always seems to have a freak injury yeah. every year back injury something i know it's so aggravating it's frustrating because he, he's I, usually tearing it up before he does I, that. I grab him i grab him as a batting average uh stabilizer but i like to grab him for batting average and power in this part of the draft because i tend to you know maybe i take a little risk on my batting average early like i'll grab a semi in our story and i think winker pairs really well because I, well, I i usually aim for reynolds miss on reynolds and i'm like oh well here, winker here we go because i think winker has that skill set of Reynolds, but can't stay healthy like Reynolds. Yeah. So that's where the difference is. Like if Winker played 130 games a year, even I want 140, but I'll take 130. And um, but Winker seriously, like Winker is there's not real uh, there's not a real difference in terms of skill set. Like when it comes to batting average, hit tool, 
there's even more power there for Winker in terms of like between Winker and Reynolds. I just the health is obviously why you should take Winker after him. But I do like Jesse Winker a lot. But anyway, if Winker, sorry. If Winker can play like your 145 games, I mean, 140, I, 140, 140. I mean, he, he definitely could be a top 50 player. He really he's looked great um, in his limited time the past few years. So we'll see if he can actually put that all together this year for a change. Um, other than Reynolds, I mean, the two guys that I've been targeting, it depends on team build, but if you're able to secure some speed early on and then you attack, whether it be get your relief ace or get some starting pitching in some of those early rounds and you're looking for power. I mean, I really like J.D. Martinez and I really like Kyle Schwarber's J.D.'s going around the top 100, about 96 and Schwarber's going 132. I mean, Kyle Schwarber last year. With the with the Sox, Red Sox and the Nationals, I mean, he had 32 homers in 113 games, which is just absurd. Stupid. I mean, he he had a ridiculous stretch. Granted, a lot of those games were with the Nationals against the Mets, where he just absolutely crushed the Mets and, and the rest of the NLEs pretty much. But dude, he was just unbelievable last year kind of finally living up to those expectations i mean he posted career high barrel rate of 17.5 max ev of 116 i mean he looked he looked like the real deal last year and it's going to depend on where he signs i mean there's rumors of of colorado which yeah i don't even know if i want to deal with that headache honestly i'm sure (laughs) he would play every day but it would be nice maybe if if he goes back to the red sox seemed to be a good fit there um, but I think there's going to be a lot of team um, going for him once this free agent frenzy begins. And and J.D. Martinez, I mean, we, we saw maybe a few seasons where he uh, kind of took a step back, uh, whether it be injuries or not being able to watch video, um, kind of struggled maybe a little bit. Um, the 2020, the shortened season, granted a lot of people did as well, but he seemed to kind of uh, turn things around last year. 28 homers, 92, 99 RBIs, and he's projected for around 30 and 100 again this year in an, a really strong Red Sox lineup. Um, I just think him and Alex, Alex Cora really brings out the best of these players. Um, another guy that we'll talk about later, I'm sure, Kike Hernandez. He just this this is a team that I want a lot of a lot of guys on. Um, and JD is right in the middle of that order. Gonna, if, if you're looking for a good power source, if you miss out on like a Vlad or a Judge, um, these are good guys at the back end of 100 or the 130 range that you can definitely target. Yeah, and by the way, 2016, 118 players did it. So it's only gone oh, down every year. <laughs> and how about this? Yasmani Tomas hit 31 home runs that year. Wow, that's a throwback. Yeah. And he never did anything after that, I don't think. That was the year that's like, oh, it all came together. And Gregory Blanco had 22-17 home runs and stolen bases that year. Wow. Now he's in Asia, I think. So there's that's fun. Hey, no more Mazzara. Put up a 20-home run season. Shocker. That's what he's done every year, pretty much. Okay. Anyway. This should be your next article. 2016 standouts. Where are they now? <laughs> hey, DJ Mayhew. Still DJ Mayhew. 11-11. Hitting 348. All right. Um, anyway. It's just fun. It's fun to look back. But anyway. Oh, Hanley. Bryce Harper. 24-21 season. Okay. Um, I can do this all night. This is fun. Uh, I'm just looking at other names. Oh, real quick. I'm not honestly drafting either Bellinger or Yelich. I feel like I could build the team just fine without either one. Do either of you want either of those players? Because I know I'm just kind of like, I'm okay being out 
and missing either or missing on both. If I had to pick one, I'm picking Bellinger. But uh, yeah, so are either of you guys drafting one of these two? And and regardless, which one do you prefer if you had to pick one? I haven't taken either. And it seems every draft I've been in, like they're on my radar and I just keep putting them off and they keep falling and falling. And I'm thankful that somebody else ends up taking the plunge on both of them. Um, I don't have any shares. I probably won't unless they fall way past their ADP of around 100. I mean, if we get to like the 120 range, okay, maybe I'll consider it. But more than likely, I will not. And I probably would prefer a bounce back gear from Bellinger rather than Yelich. Um, the Yelich, the back injury, the back injury and just hitting the ball on the ground constantly is a huge concern. And I really don't want any part of it. I have multiple dynasty shares and I'm desperate to unload them. And it's, it's not going to be easy, but... Bellinger is probably my preferred choice, although I'd rather have neither. George? Yeah, we're going to go three for three here on um, Bellinger. Um, I do have, I think, one or two shares of Bellinger. And um, I, I think for me, if, if I'm going to take either one of these guys, it's, I'm going to, um, I think he has a higher chance of bouncing back. I look at 2020 and really, you know, it wasn't a whole lot different than what he had been doing the previous three seasons. It, it was really just the Babbitt, 244. 245 BABIP led to a 239 uh, average in that shortened 2020 season, but he still hit 12 home runs, stole six bases. Um, and last year, I mean, I, I really think he was pretty much just injured all year, and it was one thing after another for Bellinger. Um, so, yeah, I mean, as long as he's healthy, I, I, I like um, I like Bellinger uh, between these two. I'm not going to have too much because there is certainly um, quite a bit of risk. So, but uh yeah, if I'm gonna take a chance on one, it'll be Bellinger. Oh man, I just realized, guys, it's over. It's been about an hour, and uh, we haven't even touched the other half of the player pool. This, <laughs> this yeah. is uh, <laughs> well, maybe because well, maybe because well, you, you went through the last five years of plate appearance or at, uh, <laughs> games played. I am not loading 2015 up as we speak right now. I am not. Uh, okay, I lied. I am. I'm just debating, do we push through or do we just do a part two? <laughs> Honestly, I feel like a part two is better off. And by the way, only 109 in 2015. It played uh, 140 Anthony games. Ghost. Anthony Ghost, the great, uh, the Cleveland pitcher. <laughs> hey, but how about that Ryan Braun 25-24 season, though? Yeah, I'm losing my mind. I think we're going to have to do a part two, guys. I was hoping to do it all in one night, but... What did we get I to? We got to about like the top 30. <laughs> but <laughs> we'll do part two 30 to 60 no we'll do part two no, we 30 got to, through we the got rest past, yeah we got to like well 30. We, we talked you have to remember we talked strategy we talked strategy we talked uh we, we focused on the higher rounds a little longer than i thought we were going to so we unfortunately didn't go as smoothly as planned so we're gonna have to do a part two so i'm gonna call it wraps here don't forget to check us out on spotify wherever you get you know what wherever you listen to us five star rating reviews greatly appreciated skplaybook.com i forgot to plug this at the beginning guys you're supposed to help me out with this uh we obviously have our chat and all that good stuff check us out there um i think that's everything obviously check out my work over at the athletic sk playbook as well george at nbc sports edge and sk playbook on occasion and then zach just, just hanging chilling. out with us <laughs> <laughs> listen man everybody has all their guests right now we have each other better than nothing That's right all we need all we need yeah. the three amigos yeah something like that all right as always we appreciate listening don't forget to check us out on twitter george is at roto underscore nino zach is at braf z i'm the best at mike underscore curland <laughs> but appreciate you all listening of course as always and we'll talk to you all very soon 